I'm reading this morning from um, the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Well, good morning, church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Zach Mamo and I'm an elder here at Gosford PC. As many of you may know or may not, from Monday to Friday I work full-time as a plumber and as a plumber over the last several years I've worked for many different companies and as such I've had many different bosses and many different co-workers. The first four companies I worked for all had something in common. They were all run by men who didn't profess Jesus as their Lord. On the flip side, the company I work for now is run by a fellow believer in Jesus with co-workers that are also mostly believers in Jesus. The thing most of us share in common is that we profess Jesus as Lord. As such, we're working with a similar goal in mind and as co-workers, we're on the same team. In the passage today, we'll see that believers are also God's co-workers. So today, as we go through 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, we're going to be asking the question, what does it mean to be God's co-worker and what does it look like? And we're going to see that God has and had a mission. His mission is reconciliation. And those who believe in Jesus share that same mission of reconciliation. However, we're going to see that this task of being God's co-worker isn't always easy. 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church he established in the city of Corinth. And one of his goals in writing was to remove any obstacle that would prevent that from being beneficial for anyone. His aim was to cause the people of God 
in the city of Corinth to self-examine challenging areas of their lives, which is exactly what we're going to be doing today as we ask, what does it mean to be God's co-worker and what does it look like? This morning we're going to be looking at a few key points that touch on this, and in the first point we'll see that believers are God's co-workers. We're going to be looking at the fact that believers are God's co-workers who share in his mission and ministry of reconciliation. Here we'll look at what God's mission is and how we're called to be a part of that mission. In the second point, we'll look at the fact that this isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. Here we'll see that Paul had a very hard life as one of God's co-workers and yet it was a profoundly satisfying thing to be a part of. So first up... Believers are God's co-workers. The idea behind this point is short and sweet. Followers of Jesus, that is those of you who love him, who believe in him, who trust in him for their salvation, you are God's co-workers. If you believe in Jesus, hear this, you are his co-worker. It's a pretty simple one, but it's very important because it has major implications. In this point, we will see that we're going to look at what God's mission is, and we'll see it's reconciliation, and then we'll see that we're called to be a part of that mission of reconciliation. And lastly, we'll see the fact that it's possible for believers to not take this awesome reality seriously. From verse 1 we read, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. So, as we saw, believers are God's co-workers. And it's important, as his co-worker, that we know what God is all about. In other words, what is God's mission? Because as his co-worker, his mission is also our mission. Throughout the Bible, we see that God is all about reconciliation. And reconciliation is the process of two previously alienated parties being made at peace with each other. The entire biblical story is one of reconciliation, of God reconciling humanity to himself. It's been said that the Bible can be summed up in four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. If we look at these four events briefly, we'll see this beautiful story of reconciliation. So first up, creation. The first five words of the Bible set the stage for everything. In Genesis 1.1 we read, In the beginning God created. The opening line of the Bible isn't about a human. It's not about the supporting characters. It's about the main character, God. God is the creator of all things. He created the universe and all that's in it, from galaxies to viruses. God created all, including us. As the creator of all things, God is the rightful owner of all things. And as the creator and owner of all things, he has the right to decide what is right and what is wrong for all things. Then we have the fall. Humanity rebelled against their creator. The first man, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. They chose to oppose him. That is sin. In this moment, the first sin, Adam and Eve broke the world. This is the fall of man. God created humanity good and in his own image, 
but their rebellion brought death and discord into the universe. Humanity is fallen, our nature corrupt. When we look at the world and we see sin, suffering and evil caused by humanity, we can be left asking the question, where does man's corrupt nature come from? And the Heidelberg Catechism of 1563 puts it the answer like this. From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in sin. We are all born into this world sinful. Fallen. Opposed to God. Next we have redemption. When we look at the world and we see sin, suffering and evil, we can be left asking, well, what hope is there? How can humanity change? Are we so corrupt that we are unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Again, the Heidelberg Catechism puts it so wonderfully where it says, yes, we are totally corrupt. We are unable to do any good unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. This one sentence sums up the entirety of God's mission to reconcile humanity to himself. His mission is reconciliation, and we are reconciled to him by being born again by him through the Holy Spirit. And being born again happens when you have faith in the wonderful realities as laid out for us in Scripture. That God the Father is God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. That Jesus Christ is God's only Son, that he suffered, was crucified, died, and on the third day rose again. That he ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, who with the Father and Son is worshipped and glorified. If you believe in these things, guess what? You're a person who is born again. You are saved and you are secured for eternal life. Again, reconciliation is the process of two previously alienated parties coming together and being made at peace with each other. We're all made at peace with God through Jesus' sacrificial death for us in our place. This is reconciliation. This is God's mission. This is what he's all about. And lastly, there's restoration. The entire biblical story is a story of reconciliation through the personal work of Jesus. And in this life, we're reconciled to him when we are born again by him. But we still live in a sinful and fallen world. Things haven't been perfected yet. There is a restoration to come. There is a life to come. What we call heaven or the new creation. And we find the climax of the reconciliatory work of Christ in the new creation. In the new creation there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin. Here, believers will live with God for eternity in a restored universe, free from the pervasive stain of sin. This is the four-word mission of God. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And this four-word mission can be summed up in one word, reconciliation. God's mission of reconciliation, of making people at peace with himself, is the same mission that we share as his co-workers. The Apostle Paul was God's co-worker. 
the believers in Corinth were God's co-worker. Those here today who believe in him, you are God's co-worker. You have a wonderful job description. When you work with someone, it's worth being on the same page as them. And it's an amazing thing to see and know from the Bible that we too should be all about reconciliation. In a previous chapter, the Apostle Paul says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Believers who have been reconciled to God through Christ now become a part of that mission of reconciliation by being Christ's ambassadors. This image of an ambassador is so wonderfully fitting. An ambassador doesn't have authority of their own. An ambassador is a representative of a person who has authority. They come presenting a message that isn't their own. They represent the mission and message of another that they believe in and value. An ambassador is one who works with and represents. If you are a believer, you are God's co-worker. You are his ambassador. You are called to represent God because he has all authority. You are called to spread his message of reconciliation because it's what he desires. You represent his mission and message as an ambassador of God. So take seriously what it means to be a co-worker with God. Take seriously this task by taking part in the mission of reconciliation. Don't receive his grace in vain. This looks like spreading the good news, the gospel, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he suffered, was crucified, died, and on the third day rose again, and that if people believe this, their sins are forgiven and they are born again. They are made right with God and can live forever, forever at peace and forever glorifying the one who saved them. Don't take this glorious task of being Christ's ambassador and co-worker for granted. As Paul says in verse 2, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Many believers don't take this awesome, awesome reality seriously. Don't let that be you. He will hear those of you who desire to be faithful co-workers and ambassadors. So pray for those opportunities to spread his message faithfully. He will help those of you who desire to be faithful co-workers and ambassadors. So once you've prayed for those opportunities, seize them with both hands when they appear. God's mission is reconciliation. Believers are God's co-workers and his ambassadors. But that doesn't mean that life as God's co-worker is going to be an easy one. Which leads me to my next point. And that is, it's not always easy being God's co-worker 
but it is always worth it. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be co-workers and ambassadors for God. This means spreading and sharing the good news that Jesus is Lord and that eternal life is only found in him. However, you shouldn't expect life to be easy as God's co-worker. In fact, the Bible never shies away from the reality that life will not be easy for God's co-workers. Now we're going to be spending a little time seeing justice as we look at the Apostle Paul and we see in his life the suffering he endured, the character he showed, and the paradoxes of the life of this believer. First, we have the suffering that Paul endured, where we read from verse 3, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger. As God's co-worker, Paul suffered greatly for a very clear purpose, and that was so his ministry, that is the ministry of reconciliation, may not be discredited. Paul, a man who was previously a persecutor of the church, suffered very greatly for the same faith that he once tried to destroy. He endured much trouble, hardships and distresses, beatings, imprisonments and riots, hard work, lost sleep, and he went hungry. He suffered much as God's co-worker. Every believer here is God's co-worker. And life as his co-worker will be one that is most likely one filled with troubles. This is daunting, I know. I'm sorry to break it to you all. But it's also wonderful. It's wonderful because it's through the joyful suffering of God's children that others will come to question their own false beliefs. When you suffer in this life, and if you haven't, don't worry, you will, it'll come, look to believers of the past who have blazed a godly path. Be prepared to willingly go through trouble, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleeplessness and hunger. Because you are God's co-worker. You're his representative and his ambassador. Next we have the character Paul showed. So we just saw the suffering he endured, now it's the character he showed. When Paul suffered, in his suffering he suffered well. He showed amazing character in the midst of these trials. He showed purity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. When Paul suffered, he showed great character. Character that fits one who is called an ambassador for God. Paul's life showed a changed man. So like him, live in purity because you can through God's strength. And people will see your changed life, and they will be amazed at it. Not only did Paul endure much hardship and show a changed character, but he lived a life that was filled with paradox. 
A paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement. The life of Paul and the lives of many believers are lives of paradox. Paul outlines several in verses 8 through 10 where we read, Through glory and dishonour. Paul worked hard, no matter what the Corinthians thought of him. From this we can know that no matter the status that others give us, believers should live lives of upright character as God's co-workers. Through bad report and good report. From this we can know that no matter the status that others give us, oh sorry, we work, we work through bad report and good report because through the message we have as God's ambassadors, this message that we have to share is of eternal importance. Genuine yet regarded as impostors, Paul had a sincere love for the Corinthians, yet when impostors had infiltrated the Corinthian church, they treated Paul as if he was the fake. Even if in our sincerity others treat us as if we're the impostors or fakes, God knows the authenticity of your heart. Being known and yet regarded as unknown. The Corinthians knew Paul well. He was the one who first preached the gospel to them after all. And yet he still wrote this beautiful letter to them, reminding them of the truths he first proclaimed to them and that he knows them and they know him. Dying and yet we live on. As noted earlier, Paul suffered greatly. And yet he knew that even if he died, he would live on eternally with the Lord Jesus forever. Beaten and yet not killed. Even though he was beaten physically, his life was not taken from him. Sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. This should be the heart cry of every believer living in this room. Let this paradox, this grand paradox, be the one that everyone in your life is a witness to. Let your unbelieving colleagues, neighbours, friends and family say, even though they're going through that hard time, look how they rejoice. Look how they praise God even though they suffer? How is it that they can be sorrowful and yet always rejoice? Live lives that cause people to seek after the hope that you have. Poor and yet making many rich? Paul was poor in this world. He had no home. He moved from town to town. He worked wherever he stayed. And yet he made people rich eternally. He did this by sharing and spreading the good news of the gospel. And many became rich in the best possible way by being redeemed and born again into everlasting life. Having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul had nothing. And yet he possessed everything because of the status of who he was as a redeemed person. He possessed everything that he could possibly need. And that's eternity with Jesus. And what more could anyone want than that? Paul endured much hardship. He showed a changed, pure character. And his life was one of paradox. Paul was God's co-worker. He didn't receive God's grace in vain. He lived as an ambassador ought to live. It wasn't easy. But it was worth it. 
because throughout his life he had the opportunity to preach the gospel far and wide. Paul, as God's co-worker, shared God's mission of reconciliation, even and especially when it was difficult. As I said at the beginning of this talk, I've been a plumber for about several years now, and at every company I've worked for up until now, I've been relentlessly bullied for my faith. I was bullied by co-workers and bosses alike. It was a free-for-all. Those work environments have often been places of hardship and suffering. And yet, by God's grace, I was often able to suffer well, to be different to those guys that I work with, to live a life of paradox. Because of all this, I would often get those same guys who in a big group would be bullying me, one-on-one come to me and talk to me about Jesus. Those same guys that would make life very difficult for me would come and share all their sorrow and sadness with me and I would have the amazing opportunity to speak to them of the gospel. It wasn't easy. It was a tough couple of years, but it was worth it. Many of them had probably never even heard the gospel before. And yet through my suffering as God's ambassador, I had that moment and opportunity to share with them that good and eternally important news. For this, I'll praise him. My first application earlier was to take seriously the task of being God's co-worker by taking a part in his mission of reconciliation. My second application today is to build relationships and show people Jesus even when it's hard. When life is hard, remember, you are still God's co-worker. Your mission is to tell people about him, even and especially when it's hard. So continue to create relationships with people because it's through relationship that others are most open to being vulnerable and hearing that good news. Paul's relationship with the Corinthians meant he could be candid with them. In verses 11 through 13 we read, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your hearts also. Continue to love people well. And then you might be able to urge them, as Paul did, to open their hearts to you. Life, even for God's co-workers, is often one that is filled with troubles. It won't always be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are doing the thing that your creator and saviour wants you to do. To be his co-worker, his ambassador, his representative, knowing that the message you have to share is of eternal importance. Believers share God's mission of reconciliation. We are his co-workers. But believers' lives won't always be easy. Even though they're not going to be easy, it will be worth it. This morning, we spent some time looking in depth at these two things. First, we looked at the fact that believers are God's co-workers, where we saw that God had and has a mission. His mission is making people at peace with him. 
his mission is reconciliation. We saw that God wants believers to be a part of that mission. We are to be his co-workers. But it is possible to take God's grace in vain by not partnering with him. So partner with him. Be his ambassador. Secondly, we looked at the fact that life as God's co-worker will not always be easy, but it will always be worth it. And we saw the Apostle Paul's life. We saw the suffering he endured, the character he showed, and the paradoxes of the, the life of this believer. We saw that even when his life was hard, he still endured. He worked hard. He built relationships and he spread the good news. So like Paul, build relationships, show people Jesus, even and especially when it's hard. Paul had a very hard life of one of, as one of God's co-workers and yet it was a profoundly satisfying and beautiful thing to be a part of. This entire talk can be summed up in one sentence. If you walk away from today remembering anything, let it be this. Believers are God's co-workers. This isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. It's my hope that having gone through this today, together, we will, with reverential and joy-filled hearts, take seriously the task of being his co-worker. Please join me as we pray for this now. Oh Lord, what a, what a joy it is to be your co-worker, your ambassador. Lord, you began this mission when you sent your son to die for us. You, Lord, continued this mission when you saved us. You, Lord, will continue this mission, we pray, it's through us. Help us to see that believers are your co-workers, your ambassadors, your representatives. Help us to boldly proclaim this good news, this gospel, even when it's hard. Life as your co-worker won't always be easy, but we know that it'll always be worth it. Because to you, Lord, belong all glory, honour and power forever and ever. And we pray all this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen.